When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Hey everyone, here we are with another episode from the Asian Madness Podcast. Thank you all for your follows, support, and of course, your time. Again, I would not be here without you listeners. As many countries are trying to get back into their normal routines, please remember to take extra precaution. I know being under quarantine sucks and you can't see your friends, but hey, it's better to be safe and to wait it out a bit. This virus is still around, and it does not discriminate. Okay, so that was my regular COVID-19 rant of every single episode. Now, on to today's case. This case was suggested to me by listener Sharon Tan via email. So, Sharon, hopefully you're still listening, and thank you for your suggestion. Just FYI, I keep track of all your suggestions, so... Send them my way if you got any. It just takes some time for me to get to them, because I try to shuffle them around a bit. As for this case, it will definitely make your blood boil, because this person preyed on some of the most vulnerable people in society. That is correct. Children. So that's your warning. If you're not up for this, I totally get it. I think the Peter Scully case from the Philippines really grossed everybody out, so I get it if this isn't something you want to listen to. But then again, you might get a bit of satisfaction if you listen to the very end. This is the case of the child predator Richard Huckle, a young man from the UK who spent years in Malaysia pretending to be somebody he wasn't. Every despicable act he committed was not discovered until after he was arrested. So for this episode's format, I'm going to give the surface info first, then his arrest, and lastly, we will discuss everything else in between, and more. Let's begin. Richard Huckle was born to a middle-class family on May 14, 1986, in the town of Ashford in Kent County, the United Kingdom. From what I could gather, he had a fairly normal childhood and family life middle-class family, went to school at the Harvey Grammar School and South Kent College, went to church both in Ashford and London. All that regular stuff. His parents were a nice couple, according to most people, did not abuse Richard or anything like that. On the surface, he seemed to be a normal guy living a normal life, but obviously he wasn't or else we wouldn't be here discussing him. 
As a child, he was studious, did well in school, liked action figures, Pokemon, you know, normal kid stuff. He didn't really stand out in crowds, though, and when people were asked to describe him, he was said to have been quiet and a bit of a loner. I know we hear these kind of descriptions used on a lot of criminals, but the thing is, it's not really an indication of what they will turn out to be. So, Richard was a smart kid, but he began using his skills elsewhere, dabbling in more illegal things. He also became a target for school bullies. Someone he went to school with stated that Richard had began selling counterfeit Pokemon cards, which is pretty revolting for hardcore Pokemon fans. Basically, it started with that, and he would continue on to get into more trouble for very petty little things. They always start small. Although he had friends as a kid, he eventually grew apart from them because of his new hobby, and as he grew up, people began to describe him as weird and rat-like, which they said was because of how he looked. You can find pictures of him online, or just check out my Instagram page in a few days. Around the year 2005, when Richard was around 19, he decided he wanted to take a gap year and see what else was out there. He traveled to Malaysia first, then headed over to Cambodia for a bit. I find it pretty normal for Westerners to take time off to travel to places like Southeast Asia, where things are relatively cheaper and they get to experience a very different culture. Some go for the cultural experience, some go for the parties, but Richard supposedly went to do charity work for churches and go work on his hobby, that being photography. But once he left the UK, it's almost as if something just snapped in his brain. It's possible he was always aware of his paraphilia, but was always unable to act on them while he was still in the UK. And going somewhere else gave him the confidence to finally do what he always wanted, which would be to sexually abuse children. Richard had a roommate during his gap year in Malaysia, a single mother named Sammy. She was not close to Richard. She actually found him pretty weird and awkward, said he gave her the creeps. He didn't really talk to other people, didn't really have friends, never talked about women. He was basically your average weirdo. She didn't want to judge him, though, because she knew that he was a religious man and he was there in Malaysia doing charity work, which sounds pretty admirable. Being a weirdo wasn't against the law, so even if people were a bit bothered by him, they all accepted him. Richard ended up spending around two years total in Malaysia and Cambodia. He did missionary work, he taught English to local kids, and probably took a bunch of photos. In 2007, he returned to the UK. I guess you could say that his trip to Asia made a lasting impression on Richard because he made the decision to return to Malaysia again, for good. First thing he did after returning to the UK was to obtain teaching certificates. He took some teaching courses and obtained a TESOL certificate, which stands for Teacher of English as a Second Language. He was now basically a certified teacher. Now he would be able to use this to gain entry to work in many parts of Southeast Asia, including his beloved Malaysia, Cambodia, India, Singapore, and Vietnam. So in the year 2011, he re-entered Malaysia. 
He was known not only as an English teacher, but he was also very involved with missionary work and his personal photography work. He loved God, or that was what he wanted people to believe. He also enrolled for an IT course at a university in Kuala Lumpur, but he never finished his course. He kept himself pretty busy while he was abroad. He would take photos of children, he would upload some of his photos to Facebook, and it was stated by one of his classmates that the photos looked a bit odd, like children were being posed in suggestive ways. Maybe like the kind of photos you would see in Sports Illustrated or something, except with kids. But then again, but then again, this could also be in the eye of the beholder. We do not have access to these photos for obvious reasons, so it's really difficult for me to judge. Sometimes you do get a weird feeling, but sometimes it could be hindsight. Richard visited and taught English in churches and orphanages, took photographs of children, and was just unbelievably close to all these kids. If we ever encountered someone like that, our immediate thought might not be, oh, pedophile, but instead... Maybe just like, oh, this guy is really good with kids. Not everyone is good with kids, and I personally believe it takes a special kind of patience to handle them. Maybe that's what most adults he came across thought of him, or maybe some of them were aware of his actions, but brushed it aside. Maybe some people even had something to gain from his love for kids. So a few years go by, Richard continues to do his thing. He returns home a few times during these years, and every time he does, he continues to go to church like the good Christian he is. He would even attend class reunions from time to time, even though many of his old classmates never would have expected him to show up. He definitely was the weird kid in school, and to most people, he only got weirder as he got older. It was surprising to them that he would even want to attend these events. He basically spent most of his time living the life he loved in Malaysia for a few years, until everything went to shit. For him, at least. Let's now fast forward to December 19, 2014. He was on his way home to the UK, probably to spend Christmas with his family, when he was suddenly detained at London's Gatwick Airport. Upon his arrest, he was immediately questioned for very serious offenses related to child pornography and child abuse. These are serious accusations for sure, and the police believed they had enough proof to be able to confront Richard Huckle. Richard either denied or refused to answer any of the questions they asked. Not a great sign, but then again, he had no criminal record, did not give a confession, and technically speaking, no one can force him to say anything. Eventually the police had to let him go, but under two conditions. He had to be under the supervision of his parents during his stay, and all his electronics were taken away for further investigation. I bet most people would feel kind of nervous about that without having done anything illegal. Many of us probably have a sketchy Google search history. But I wonder how actual criminals feel when this happens. But seriously, he probably shouldn't have done anything shady to begin with. Richard returned home to his parents. I bet things were kind of awkward, to say the least. The police came by to search their home, hoping to find any evidence of child abuse and such. His parents were obviously concerned and questioned him about the accusations the police were making. Initially, Richard denied them, 
telling his parents that he didn't do anything wrong. A day or so later, though, he would drunkenly admit the truth to his mother. She was extremely upset and angry, probably disgusted as well. I am not sure what most parents would have done, but I would say that his parents definitely did the right thing. They immediately called the police, kicked Richard out, and asked them to take their son away, telling them that their son had just confessed to having sex with children between the ages of 3 and 13 during his time in Asia. And that is how the infamous pedophile Richard Huckle, also known as one of the worst pedophiles in Britain's history, was finally caught. Now that you know the general story and timeline, it's time for us to look at exactly what Richard did in Asia and how the police managed to link him to these crimes. Richard's sexual history with children isn't exactly super detailed from what I could find, but then again, I don't think we really need all the details. Also, it's important to protect those that were affected, especially since they were all children. I wouldn't be surprised if the police decided to withhold all this information. Remember during his gap year when he visited Malaysia and Cambodia around 2005 and 2006? That's where it all started. During his initial trip to Cambodia, he was welcomed by a family that had two daughters around the ages of four and six. He sexually abused them and took explicit photos of them. He spent around two weeks with his family and returned to Malaysia. Before his gap year trip was up, he stopped by Cambodia again to set up a teaching post in the same village where the two girls were from. Unsurprisingly, he continued to molest the two girls. Who knows, he probably abused other kids from that village who attended his English classes. Since no one found out or no one bothered to say anything about it, it emboldened him and made him want to return and do more. I guess it was way easier than he expected. As we know, he returned to Malaysia around 2010-2011 to resume his child molesting plans under the guise of teaching English and doing charity work for churches. He went to children's homes and churches, presenting himself as a trustworthy man who left everything behind to come and help impoverished children. In one case, He had visited a children's home, and it happened to be a five-year-old's birthday. He said he was going to surprise her with a book that he had at home, and somehow he got permission to take her back to his house. Instead of giving her a book, though, he sexually abused her. In another instance, Richard had befriended a few Indian kids and was taking them to a church in Kuala Lumpur regularly. Not sure why he did this, as it drew attention to him. Or maybe he thought he would seem more friendly, making it easier to approach other kids. While taking random kids to church wasn't frowned upon or necessarily weird, Richard stopped going to that church when the pastor asked Richard to introduce him to the parents. Clearly, this wasn't something he could or wanted to do. The fact that Richard Huckle went around molesting countless kids is disturbing, yes, But what makes it even worse is that he kept a super detailed account of his life on a website on the dark web called The Love Zone, or TLZ for short. He includes videos and photos of all his victims along with detailed captions, which in the end was what really did him in. He would divide all his evil deeds into 15 different categories, ranging from basic to hardcore. 
Many of his victims come and go, but some were long-term abuse victims. One girl was only seven when he first found her, and after a few years of sexually abusing her, he made plans to marry her as soon as possible. Basically, he was grooming her. His goal was to mold her into the perfect obedient wife and open his house up for foster kids. We all know he isn't doing it for the sake of the kids, but rather to fulfill his own sick fantasies. He also wrote that he would make it clear to his child wife that she would not report him because if she did, she would risk losing her quote-unquote middle-class lifestyle. He had also abused another girl for many years, and in one of his entries online, he had written, quote, It's quite amazing to have stuck with the same child lover for so many years, and I hope, from the images you have seen, enjoyed watching her grow, end quote. Clearly, he's very proud of having his long-term child relationship, which is really disgusting. I do not believe she understood what was happening and what consent was, and he was clearly taking advantage of the situation. In another entry, he wrote, quote, If I were to transfer my skills learned from India and tried to use them in the West, I wouldn't last a month before I found myself in a cell, end quote. And also, quote, Impoverished kids are definitely much easier to seduce than middle-class Western kids, end quote. In other words, he knew that people in South and Southeast Asia were an easy target. The concept of pedophilia is extremely uncommon in many places. And like Richard states, it makes it easy for pedophiles to do their thing. In Malaysia, for example, child abuse falls into murky waters. Generally speaking, only incest and rape are considered crimes, but the definition isn't very clear, so child abusers can easily get away with it. Also, he targeted poor families and communities, those who needed help the most. Oh, here comes the white man from the West. He has money, he is worldly, and he is here to help us. He once claimed he quote-unquote hit the jackpot with a three-year-old girl because she was quote as loyal to me as a dog. He even bragged online about how some families knew he was molesting their kids but had turned a blind eye to the situation, probably because they were scared to lose whatever he was offering them in return, most likely food and money. How disgusting is this guy? These parents also failed to protect their kids, which is extremely upsetting, yes, but I somewhat believe they felt they depended on him for survival. Really sad situation all around. On the Pedo TLZ site, he had also written a 60-page pedophile guide called Pedophiles and Poverty Child Lover Guide. Barf. This manual was mostly about how to find children, how to tell if they would be open to a relationship, and most importantly, how to avoid getting caught. Clearly, he sucked because he was eventually caught. Another thing he did was equally gross. Every time he did something he thought was awesome, or rather, depraved, he would automatically award himself with pedo points. Before he was caught, he had racked up about 1,300 points but kind of stupid because these were self-awarded points. And nobody really cares. He was proud of his grooming skills. I cannot imagine what he was doing, but he definitely would be labeled as super manipulative and cunning. 
It's not clear if any of the kids told their parents, or maybe because pedophilia is such a foreign concept to them, parents may not have even believed their kids. I can totally imagine a little girl telling her mother or her father that the ratty Englishman had been touching her, and her parent would maybe laugh and say, Oh, honey, he was just being friendly. But then again, he also preyed on families that desperately needed money, knowing full well that they would not turn him away, even if that meant their little girl was sexually abused. With all the molesting and posting he did, you can also bet your ass he made money off this. Apparently, there are pedo-funding websites where people pay and once they reach the target, Richard would release the videos. Not sure how much he made, but I don't care if it was one cent or one million whatever currency. Still a creep. So let's talk about how Richard was finally caught. So as we know, there are police task forces constantly going through websites and whatnot, trying to track down and eliminate pedophile rings and sex trafficking groups, especially those found on the dark web. And this is exactly what they had their sights on. Task Force Argos had been tracking a pedophile ring called the Love Zone, aka the infamous dark web, that pedophiles hang out on. While the abusers' faces were never shown, parts of them were shown on video and in photos, such as their hand or fingers. The police noticed that there was a distinct freckle on one of the fingers constantly shown in videos and photos. Another point of focus was the way the person would always greet the viewers, as in they would say, Hayas? Hayas? I don't know. H-I-Y-A-S? I'm not sure if that was written or recorded on video, but either way, I don't know anybody who says that, so yeah, definitely stands out. They continued to monitor the website, which led them to a fake Facebook profile. Although the profile was fake, the images uploaded were real, which eventually led them to somebody named Shannon McCool, a man living in Adelaide, Australia. The local police were notified and he was soon arrested in June of 2013. Obviously, there is way more to the story, but this episode is not about him. So the police seized Shannon McCool's laptop and pretended to be him with the intention of identifying all the other creeps on the site. In the meantime, they managed to rescue a few dozen children from these predators. That's when they discovered Richard Huckle. Apparently he stood out because of his multiple posts and just the way he wrote about his acts and about the kids. The police must have prioritized him as the biggest threat and decided to go after him. They found his real name tracked his location, and found that he was due to return to the UK on December 19, 2014. The National Crime Agency was alerted of the situation, and that's how they finally tracked down the boogeyman. Since Richard's own parents turned him in to the police when he confessed, he had no choice but to be charged and face consequences. His first hearing took place in January of 2016, he was faced with 91 charges against 23 different child victims, including creation and possession of child pornography, rape of children under 12, digital penetration, child abuse, and facilitating the commission of child sexual offenses by creating a pedophile manual. That's a lot of charges for sure, and believe it or not, 
it took more than an hour to read out all of them. During his hearing in April, Richard pled guilty to 71 of the 91 charges. And although the prosecutors thought about pursuing the remaining 20, they decided to go with what they had. For one thing, they had more than enough evidence to convict him. And also, they didn't want to put a jury through all that evidence hearing. It would just be an endless amount of photos and videos of kids getting sexually abused. And that would probably traumatize the jury. The kind of information that came out during the hearing was definitely horrific. Richard was said to have abused and raped over 200 kids while he was in Southeast Asia, mainly Malaysia, with the children's ages ranging from 6 months to 13 years of age. 6 months. I mean, that's still a baby wearing diapers. We obviously already think he's a monster, but holy shit. More than 20,000 images and videos were found in his laptop that was seized by the police. The kids they managed to identify were mostly from poor Christian communities in Malaysia. Police believe that this was only a small portion of his collection, as he had encrypted a ton more. But when asked to retrieve the data, Richard refused to help. This guy is unbelievable, and not in the good way. His ultimate dream in life was to marry a girl he had been abusing for years, start a cycle of fostering kids, and continue to profit from pedo crowdfunding sites. It'll just be a way to give him easy access to children while still pretending to be a kind-hearted religious English teacher. Richard Huckle's sentencing hearing started on June 1st, 2016, and lasted three days. Richard himself had written a statement, and here was what he had to say. I really understand and acknowledge the true scale of damage I caused to the Malaysian community. I had hoped to escape the mundane life of solitude in the UK, yet was overwhelmed by the attention I received in Malaysia. I completely misjudged the affections I received from these children. My low self-esteem and lack of confidence with women was no excuse for me to use these children as an outlet. I am open and eager to rehabilitate from this offending behavior. I don't want to become a martyr to sex tourism in Malaysia. This was all my doing as a consequence of my immaturity, and I'm truly remorseful. What do you think? Do you believe what he said? Does he sound remorseful? Even Richard's own parents presented their witness statements for the prosecution as they were horrified of their son's actions. Imagine that. Richard's lawyer tried to ask the judge for leniency to consider Richard's statement and how remorseful he is. Apparently, Richard had depression as a teen and had limited experience with women, so this should all be considered. I personally don't fully understand the logic. I mean, he's his lawyer, so of course he's going to say all that. But I bet if he had to ask Richard to babysit his child, he would be super uncomfortable. Just a guess. Either way, Richard Huckle was sentenced to life imprisonment and had to serve a minimum of 25 years before he would be allowed to apply for parole. Does this punishment sound fair to you? After sentencing Richard, Judge Peter Rook, QC, stated, You have pleaded guilty to as many as 71 sexual offenses. It is very rare indeed that a judge has the sentence sexual offending by one person on such a scale as this. In my view, you may well harbor feelings of regret 
but there is no feeling of genuine remorse in this case. Richard's sister-in-law told the press that, quote, None of his family will speak about him. None of us ever want to see Richard again, end quote. Can you blame them? So that felt like the end of Richard Huckle. But let's go back and discuss the Malaysian people and how they felt about the situation, as this probably impacts them way more than it impacts the UK. The Malaysian government vowed to identify and offer counseling to all those that Richard Huckle abused. But the National Crime Agency at the time said they could not offer more information at the time, and that they would need to wait for the prosecution to be over. Apparently, they needed to make sure all the things Richard posted online were down and all essential information was obtained before releasing more information on the victims. The Malaysian government was also not too satisfied with how the National Crime Agency handled the situation, as they believed that the National Crime Agency knew about Richard's crimes, but did not alert the local child welfare services of his crimes. I believe they were doing an extensive investigation trying to get to the bottom of things before they took action. But in the meantime, who knows how many more kids suffered at his hands? I don't know. I can't really tell what's best in these situations. If they had acted too quickly, maybe, maybe Richard could have slyly gotten away with it. That would suck a lot. In 2016, the Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak set up a task force to help look into child protection laws and to find ways to make sure what Richard Huckle did could never happen again. Most Malaysians thought that the sentence Richard received was way too lenient and that, quote, a thousand years is not enough, end quote. Richard Huckle could technically be a free man after 25 years. Who knows? While Richard was in prison, it was said that he had developed a relationship with a man by the name of Stephen Port. Port was a serial killer and a serial rapist. If you think Richard was enjoying prison life and was not really taking his punishment seriously, well, have I got news for you. Richard Huckle, while in prison at Full Sutton Prison in Yorkshire, was murdered by an inmate on October 13, 2019. That was just last year. He was stabbed to death with a makeshift blade and strangled, and it was also rumored that condoms had been shoved down his throat. He was 33 years old at the time of his death. The inmate charged for murdering him was Paul Fitzgerald, a 29-year-old man who had a history of sexually assaulting women. It is unclear as to why he attacked and killed Richard. Would you have preferred he served out his life sentence with the possibility of parole? Or do you think this prison justice was more fitting for him? Don't get me wrong, this Paul Fitzgerald guy isn't exactly an upstanding citizen either, but it's not like he's going to get rewarded for killing Richard Huckle either. They all belong in prison. A former classmate of Richard's stated the following, At least the world is rid of him, and the taxpayer isn't keeping a piece of crap like that alive. So, there you have it, the story of one of the worst pedophiles in Britain's history. He took advantage of families and children, abused hundreds of kids, planned to start his own family to continue on the abuse, and even wrote a disgusting manual for pedophile Westerners living in Asia. This case really reminds me of Peter Scully, but Peter Scully never showed remorse, not even fake remorse, and also, 
it didn't seem as if Richard Huckle murdered any of the kids. I'm not saying that Huckle is any better than Scully. No freaking way. They're both horrible people. It's extremely sad, though, that all these innocent kids had to go through this. They probably thought they could trust him, confide in him, and yet, this is what he did to them. I hope these families are getting all the help they need, and I do hope more countries are doing their best to stay alert with these situations. While we aren't out there hurting people ourselves, let's also be more alert and help those in need. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode. I know it was probably upsetting. Remember though, kids are vulnerable and rarely understand these situations. By being more vigilant, we could help them from others that may want to harm them. Take care, be safe, and till next time. Before I go, I would like to thank the following people. Uh, My new Patreon supporters. Roberto Andrade, Alex Perez, Drew Barry Kahandab, Mia Martinson, and Walkman. As for my new reviews, thanks to Ingab79 from Iceland and Wayne Tyrese from the Philippines. Thank you all very much. And also that one-star review. Now I get it. I, it may not be your cup of tea and that it's totally fine. I mean, it's a little rough to read one-star reviews sometimes, but what can you do? You can't please everybody. And I wanted to apologize for um, taking a bit longer with my episodes. I have been, you know, struggling a little with writing and my own personal time and work. So I am sorry for the delay, but I will definitely try to do my best. I love doing my podcast and I love sharing all these stories and the last thing I want to do is be a disappointment so thank you for your patience and your support thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness podcast if you enjoyed my content please rate and review me on iTunes if you would like to get in touch with me you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.